Welcome to the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones, and I'm so excited that you're here. The Plan B CRNA podcast is the only show made specifically for nurse anesthetists who are exploring options outside of their traditional career paths. This is the place to expand your mind and your goals as we uncover new ways to produce side income together. Journey with me as I go down various rabbit holes to explore the best Plan B options for you. This episode is brought to you by OnCall Capital. OnCall Capital is dedicated to educating CRNAs and other healthcare providers about investing outside of the traditional stock market. OnCall Capital also provides opportunities for you, yes, you, to create passive income and generational wealth while also lowering your taxable income through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. And now on with the show. Welcome to the rabbit hole on the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones. And throughout my journey in finding a plan B, I've gone down numerous rabbit holes to figure out which ones work for me. Since I've done some of this research already, I only think it's right to bring that information to fellow healthcare professionals to help aid in your search. As always, it's important for you, the listener, to do your own research and form your own opinions. Everyone's situation is unique, and a plan B that works for one CRNA doesn't always work for another. Self-awareness is the key in any decision you make, since you must have an accurate grasp of your own strengths, weaknesses, and goals. Our topic today is one that I've had great interest in for the last year and a half or so, but gaps in my own knowledge have prevented me from doing any more than just dipping my toe into these waters. That changes today, so join me, won't you? Our rabbit hole of the day is, dun, 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 cryptocurrency. Okay, the topic of cryptocurrency is a pretty complex one, and for that reason, I'm going to actually be breaking this down into multiple episodes over the next couple of months. Today's episode is part one of the series, and it's focused on growing your basic understanding of the blockchain, Bitcoin, and what those things mean for the entire cryptocurrency market. The term blockchain has certainly grown in recognition, but most people have only a vague idea of what it actually is. Even business leaders have trouble explaining the technology and how it may impact their own businesses. Blockchain is often misunderstood as a programming language, a framework, or even cryptocurrency itself. What's important to understand is that blockchain is a comprehensive technology in and of itself. For those who understand the basic principles, it's clear that blockchain technology will continue to evolve and grow with time. Let's start off with a little bit of history, shall we? Even though much of the technology is new, the origins of blockchain actually date back to 1991, when the Journal of Cryptography published an article by Stuart Haber and W. Scott Stornetta titled, How to Timestamp a Digital Document. The concept was centered on the idea of timestamping when a document was created or last changed. They wanted to make it infeasible for users to backdate or forward date documents, while also ensuring the complete privacy of those documents themselves in an increasingly digital world. Fast forward nearly two decades to 2009, Satoshi Nakamoto published a white paper describing Bitcoin and devised the first database based on blockchain principles. Now, it's important to note that Satoshi Nakamoto is a pseudonym that was used by the person or persons who developed this concept of a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, as well as the underlying blockchain database. Nakamoto was active in the development of Bitcoin up until 2010, 
and currently owns between 750,000 to 1.1 million Bitcoin, which would be upwards of $33 billion worth at this time. While many people have been speculated to be Nakamoto, the identity of Nakamoto remains unknown. All right, let's get into it a bit here. What is blockchain? A blockchain is a data store that grows continuously, storing information electronically in a digital format. It contains records of transactions that have occurred within a specific time frame. Each of the entries is immutable, meaning it cannot be edited or deleted after getting into the database. Unlike a typical database, which structures its data into tables, a blockchain collects information together in groups that are known as blocks, and they hold sets of information. These blocks have certain storage capacities and, when filled, are closed and linked to the previously filled block, forming a chain of data, hence the term blockchain. All new information that follows that fresh block is compiled into a newly formed block that will also be added to the chain once filled. This data structure inherently makes an irreversible timeline of data when implemented in a decentralized manner. How does blockchain work? Well, the goal of blockchain is to allow digital information to be recorded and distributed, but not edited. So the blockchain is the foundation for immutable ledgers or records of transactions that can't be altered, deleted, or destroyed. Blockchains are also known as distributed ledger technology or DLT for short. When a new transaction is entered, it is then transmitted to a network of peer-to-peer -peer computers scattered across the world. These computers work to solve equations that confirm the validity of the transaction. Once confirmed, the transaction is clustered together with other legitimate transactions into blocks. The blocks are then chained together to create a long history of all permanent transactions. While blockchains are largely used to store cryptocurrency transaction history, they can be used for other things like legal contracts and product inventories. Blockchain use has exploded in the last couple of years via the creation of various cryptocurrencies, decentralized finance or DeFi applications, non-fungible tokens or NFTs, and smart contracts. In an effort to increase our overall understanding, we need to get a little bit deeper though. Let's focus on three key concepts of the blockchain. First is the blocks. A blockchain is made up of a large number of blocks, as mentioned before. Each block is made up of three elements, data, nonce, which is a randomly generated 32-bit number that creates a block header hash, and hash, which is a 256-bit number starting with a lot of zeros. As the first block is made in the chain, a cryptographic hash is generated and the data is marked as signed. The block data is tied forever to the nonce and hash unless mined. Speaking of which, that brings us to our second concept, miners, which create new blocks on the chain through a process called mining. With the help of specific software, miners are able to solve complex math problems that find a nonce that generates an accepted hash. Since a unique nonce and hash is assigned to each block on the blockchain, and they must reference the previous block's hash, mining is quite difficult and energy intensive. In fact, the miners execute about 4 billion possible combinations to find the right one for the nonce and hash. Once the miner finds this golden nonce, the block is added to the chain. To change any block earlier in the chain, the miner must remine the block and all of the blocks that come after. So manipulating or changing blockchains is darn near impossible to do. 
Now, lastly, we have nodes. These are the crucial aspect of the decentralization that makes blockchain so alluring because blockchain is essentially a distributed ledger connected by nodes that are not owned by a single entity. A node can be any device that holds a copy of the chain and contributes to continuous network function. Since blockchains are transparent, each of the participants can access and view every action on the ledger. A unique alphanumeric ID is given to each participant showing the transactions. Now, there are two types of nodes, full nodes, which are computers containing a full copy of the blockchain, and lightweight nodes, which contain information from the last few hours or weeks. The latter are easier to run, but they depend on others for data that the node is actually missing. Now, I used to think that miners and nodes were essentially the same thing, but that's not necessarily true. All miners are nodes, but not all nodes are miners, since not all nodes are used to mine Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Nodes and miners constantly cross-reference each other to create and maintain a blockchain. Okay, you've got that all, right? So there's a quiz at the end of this, and you're going to be good. Okay, maybe I won't do a quiz. But, you know, let's, let's just get back to it here. What in the world can you actually use a blockchain for? Well, it turns out that there are really a ton of uses for blockchain technology. And I'm not going to go into deep detail here, but I think it's important to go over. So let's focus on some different industries. First up, let's do healthcare, okay? Electronic medical records can be accessed and updated via biometrics, allowing for the democratization of patient data and the mitigation of cumbersome record transferring between providers. In government, Blockchain technology can be used to store populist data, criminal backgrounds, and e-citizenship, authorized by biometrics. The technology can also track election ballots, with some states already using blockchain-based applications to help overseas troops cast their ballots. Next up is the legal industry. Smart contracts stored in the blockchain can track contact parties, terms, transfers of ownership, and delivery of goods and services for legal intervention. Next up is energy. Decentralized energy transfer and distribution are possible via microtransactions of data sent to blockchain, which are validated and redispersed to the grid. Supply chains. Using the distributed ledger, companies within the supply chain can gain transparency in the shipment tracking, deliveries, and progress amongst other suppliers. Retail. Secure peer-to-peer marketplaces can track peer-to-peer retail transactions with product data, shipment, and bills of lading input via the blockchain. Hospitality. Blockchain can be used to store authenticated single travel IDs instead of individual pieces of travel documentation, such as passports, tickets, and loyalty program IDs. In real estate, One use case is the land title, where it's convenient to have access to a decentralized record showing property ownership. Blockchain can establish proof of ownership over any physical asset, not just real estate, but it allows tracking in a tamper-proof, non-degradable manner. Smart contracts are also allowing assets like real estate to be tokenized, fractionalized, and traded like all other cryptocurrencies. Education. Blockchain can be utilized to store credentialing data that covers assessments, degrees, and transcripts, while also confirming verification of knowledge transfer. And last but not least, the most potent use case for blockchain is in the financial industry, where the most well-known use is in cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin just so happens to be the first functioning application of blockchain technology, and it's currently the oldest surviving digital currency protocol.
It is often referred to as digital gold for reasons we will get into shortly. The idea, though, is that it can be used like cash to buy goods and services while using blockchain technology to record and secure those transactions. While there are over 6,500 cryptocurrencies out there, Bitcoin makes up around 44% of the entire cryptocurrency market cap overall, with Ethereum in second place with 20%. That means that those other thousands of cryptocurrencies only make up the remaining 36%. So you could say that Bitcoin is kind of a big deal in the cryptocurrency world. And Bitcoins themselves are actually created as a reward for mining. When a miner or group of miners completes a block, they are rewarded with a certain amount of Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin was designed so that every 10 minutes, a block is completed. When it was first introduced to the world, the reward was 50 Bitcoins for every block. Now, that reward is cut in half roughly every four years after 210,000 blocks have been mined. This is called halving, and it exists to lower Bitcoin's inflation rate and the rate at which new Bitcoins are released into circulation, thus keeping the price more stable. The latest halving event was on May 11, 2020, and the block reward is currently at 6.25 Bitcoins. The next one is scheduled to happen sometime in early 2024. Like gold in the real world, there's only a certain amount of Bitcoin that can ever be mined, 21 million to be exact. Now, perhaps this is the reason for the term mining. Like gold, Bitcoin has a finite supply, and mining is easy in the beginning only to become harder as the unfound supply dwindles and the price continues to rise. As of January 2022, 18.9 million of that 21 million Bitcoins have been mined and released into circulation. This accounts for 90% of all Bitcoins to be mined, but don't despair. Having will continue until all blocks are mined, and that 21 million supply cap isn't expected to be hit until sometime in 2140. So you have some time here. Not to mention that a crypto forensics firm estimated that up to 20% of all the Bitcoin that's already been issued may be permanently lost because holders have lost the private keys to their Bitcoin wallets. That just means that there's more scarcity, which could drive the price higher over time. In the early days, it wasn't uncommon for miners to go solo. There was less competition, lower capital requirements, and lower running power and maintenance costs. Now, due to Bitcoin's increased value, the competition is much stiffer and mining is more difficult. Though it remains profitable on a whole, joining a pool of miners offers immense benefit for the miners. This utilizes the joint hardware capacity and allows miners to spread risks and energy costs while increasing their chances of taking part in a block reward. Sure, you don't get that one big payday, but the smaller payouts are more stable overall. And we're going to get into mining more in a future rabbit hole. On the subject. But Bitcoin is definitely different from gold in several ways, though. Uh, first of all, you're not going to bring gold coins into a restaurant to pay for your meal. You're also not going to plop a gold bar on the counter when purchasing a car. Gold itself is just not useful for actual transactions. That's not the case for Bitcoin, though, which can also be expressed in the form of Satoshis. One Satoshi equals 0.000000. .000000 one Bitcoin. I think I got all the zeros right there. Essentially, it's one millionth of a Bitcoin. Okay. This is incredibly useful for transactions. I mean, you can only split a dollar into hundreds after all. So you could make an argument for Bitcoin actually being more useful than the dollar in the future, particularly if more countries adopt it as their national currency, as El Salvador did in 2021. 
The mayors of Miami and New York City, along with some professional athletes, have also opted to take their paychecks in Bitcoin. But whether Bitcoin will function like bars of gold or pocket change in the future is still up in the air at this point. Now, those who are bullish on Bitcoin tend to cite it as an alternative to central bank-controlled fiat money. For those of you new to that term, fiat money refers to any currency that is not backed by any commodity, such as gold or silver. It is typically declared by decree from a government to be legal tender. The word fiat literally means let it be done in Latin, as in the sense of an order, decree, or resolution. Fiat money started to predominate during the 20th century. The U.S. dollar itself was representative money for most of our country's history in that each dollar bill was actually backed by gold owned by the U.S. government. However, in 1971, President Nixon opted to abandon the gold standard for the dollar, leading to a system of national fiat currencies across the globe. Now, the support for Bitcoin can take on a cult-like following for some who believe it will revolutionize the future of finance. They believe it will empower the poor to spend and store their money outside of the grip of governments and corporations. Critics believe this value is overstated, pointing out that processing Bitcoin consumes a huge amount of energy and that its lack of control and oversight means that it's tailor-made for criminal activity. As with all new things, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, but it's up for each of us to do our own research to decide. Before we wrap up, I want to acknowledge a bit of an elephant in the room. For those of you who have followed cryptocurrency at all, you have probably noticed that these assets are in a bit of a freefall right now. As of this writing, Bitcoin is trading around $30,000 per Bitcoin, which is well off of its high of $66,490. The overall cryptocurrency market cap is around $1.3 trillion, and that's a lot of money, but it's a far cry from the $3 trillion market cap it held just six months ago. This is definitely a huge drop. But bear in mind that the overall market cap for cryptocurrencies is still 100 times larger than that of cannabis. So despite the volatility, there is still a ton of money flowing in and out of cryptocurrency. You just have to beware of some of the incredible volatility in the short term. Keep in mind, where there is money, there is opportunity. And there is plenty of money flowing in and out of cryptocurrency right now. Now, there's a ton more to go over in future rabbit holes, but that's going to do it for part one of this topic. As always, I have a ton of links in the show notes to help educate you in your journey. There are also some great books out there, such as The Truth About Crypto, a practical, easy-to-understand guide to Bitcoin, blockchains, NFTs, and other digital assets by Rick Edelman. The Bitcoin Standard, the decentralized alternative to central banking by Safadian Amos, and the only cryptocurrency investing book you'll ever need, an absolute beginner's guide to the biggest millionaire maker asset of 2022 and beyond, including how to make money from NFTs by Freeman Publications. Now that's going to do it for the show. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you found value today, make sure you hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. This show only grows because of you. So make sure you share it with a friend, family member, or colleague to help them on their passive income journey. I also want to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, or rabbit hole topic that you'd like me to cover in an upcoming podcast, make sure you rate and review on your podcast player. I check those all the time, and I try to cover those questions in future episodes. If you'd like to know more about me and gain access to passive investment opportunities, make sure you find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or visit my website at www.oncallinvestments.com. 
I have an opportunity or two coming up in the next few weeks that you do not want to miss out on. Now, this is Bobby Jones signing off. Until next time, be safe and take care of each other out there. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by On Call Capital. They are dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income and generational wealth through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. Feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find On Call Capital on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.